How's it going, man? I'm good, man. Oh, how, I gotta fix my hair. <laughs> Yo, I was just um, trying to get pretty too. So. How's it going? Pretty good. Oh, Chelsea, do one more thing for me. Um, on the other screen, see the the notes and stuff. Click that. Uh, so we're already recording, and it's for me. It's really just a natural conversation. So feel yeah. f- feel free to ask questions or whatever. But let me okay. let me give a quick intro and then we can just kind of go from there all right (laughs) cool welcome everybody to excuse my language but and this is going to be an incredible episode we have ben duffy here who the director producer and writer of take a look at this heart which many (laughs) many people in the disabled community have been talking about it right now it is a uh, a really impactful movie about dating with a with a disability no you're fine ben's over here trying to get his stuff ready i I can Uh, see his kitchen his (laughs) water i'm so sorry about that nah nah you're fine everybody who Everybody who listens to this knows we're pretty we're pretty natural when it comes to podcasts. We're pretty uh, we're pretty open, and I I don't really edit anything anymore. So yeah. So one question I definitely want to just start this out as is how did that movie take a look at this heart come about? Um, do you know AJ Murray? I don't. I saw him in the movie. I don't know yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so, um, so have you ever heard of the company called UCAN? I think so. I think they're so. Out, they're out of Israel, and uh, basically, they uh, specialize in finding products for people with in the disabled community. Like, and uh, so I, they had hired me. God, it's like it's so long ago <laughs> at this point. It's like such a such a throwback but um they hired me back in 2016 i think to uh to produce like all these short videos for them for their launch or their startup yeah and those videos through producing those videos i met aj and for when he with his after his interview he was like ben like you know what you should do you should make a documentary about love and sexuality in the disabled community and like it was one of those things that like I think sometimes like the most important things in your life take a really long time for you to process, you know? And like Absolutely. I feel like when he told me that, I was like I, you know, I can't even remember <laughs> the feeling I got when he told me that. But just, I do remember about 4 to 6 months later, I was just it like hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like that I have to make that. That's mm-hmm. that's incredible. Well, that, that's mm-hmm. a dream. And, and I, you know, it's something no one's ever done before, and exactly. and it's something that is taboo, taboo, and is rarely ever talked about. Right, and and, and I like how yeah. you said it because it is one of those things. All of our callings, or whatever, wherever life puts us, it does take a minute for us to process it, and we might hear it. Like similar to me and doing my my nonprofit stuff right now. Um, 
at first when my dad and my stepmom was like, okay, we're going to give this to you to run on your own. And at yeah. first, it took me a minute. It took me a minute to really process it. But the more and more I get into it, the the more I realize I can do a lot with it. And I have a lot to give to others as well as a lot to give to the organization itself to be able to grow larger. And yeah. Yeah. And I so I get what you're saying when you're saying it takes time for you to process that that yeah. large life stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you got so when you knew that four to six months later, when you knew that was your thing to do, what was like what were the first steps of being because are you is that what you do? Are you a, are you a, obviously that's what you do, a filmmaker. But like, yeah. but, oh, I mean, it's crazy. I haven't made a film. I released a film in January and I edited a film over the spring, but like the last time I sat behind the camera and directed an interview was like, I'm like embarrassed to say it, but it wasn't, it was like early 2019. It's like, I don't even know who I am anymore. I'm going through identity <laughs> crisis. But, uh, no, but seriously though, like, um, well, for, you know, that, funny. for that, for that to be the movie you made, then it's still such an impactful thing because even for me, so I, it takes me about three hours to get ready every morning. So this morning I was, uh, or even the first time I watched it, I put it on on my phone. I'll have my phone in front of me while I'm getting ready, and I'll I I put your movie on. And both of my nurses that were here with me helping me get ready, they were both like listening to it, and they're like, "Okay, we really want to watch this." So then I was able to throw it on the TV, and they were really intrigued. And it's like. It's not just for people with disabilities. It's intriguing for anybody, and it gives everybody the answers to the questions that we all get asked over and over. So, yeah, yeah for that to be your 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 staple, I think it's I, I think it's a pretty impactful impactful thing. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's taken yeah. me a long time. To like get to this place of acceptance. I feel like every filmmaker. Right or like a lot of filmmakers set out to make a film and not necessarily have this like grandiose vision for it or something. But like the idea is, is that you want a lot of people to see your film. Money is, is something that the investors really want to make and the producers really want to make. And like, yeah, I, I'd like to make money, but like, and I'd, I'd love to make money, but, when you put three years of your life into a film, you can't help but say that the most important thing to you is just people seeing it. So, right. you know, we uh, we had a really rough road in getting people to see it. And then finally, like, it did go on YouTube on, on like, the streaming YouTube-type platform. Right. And now it just hit, like, 25,000 views, which is, like, you know, yeah. it's not, like, lot of views but at least it's no, starting to find get like consistent exposure yes. you know and that means a lot to me and i guess that's how you saw it right yes that's exactly what I, the way i see it it's the exposure to all of the different circumstances that you that you highlighted so for anybody who hasn't seen the movie i'll tell you go to youtube and look up take a look at this heart and it's one of the top the top pop-ups so that's yeah. good um and can can we deep dive into like some of the movie stuff? Yeah, dude, I'm, so, I'm an open book. Uh, all right. So, so like one of the questions I had um, when I was watching it was, did you have a set number of individuals and couples that you wanted to interview, or were you just going after as many as you could? No, honestly. Okay, uh, if you want to know like how it really went down, basically, um, I didn't have a single idea or clue about what I was doing at all. All I knew to do, I, and I'm not trying to sound cute or funny no. or exaggerate, I just genuinely like, I was sitting on my friend's couch in LA where I was living, but I had, I had already left my apartment. I was basically like, I don't even know where I'm going to be living. And I just said to myself, you know what? I'm going to call my good friend Jeremy in Austin, Texas. I'm going to go live with him, and I am going to start a crowdfunding campaign and just see what happens. I have no way of knowing if anybody will be interested. 
if, uh, well, I knew people would be interested just because I had uh, met Ali Stroker at a film festival like a couple of years before that, or like maybe right. a year before, that, or maybe even six months earlier. And she was like, if you make this film, I have to be in it. And so I was like, damn, like that was pretty right. cool, especially coming from Ali, you know? Yeah. So I, I went to Austin, Texas for a month, right? And I live with my friend. He just let me live in his spare bedroom. And the second, the day I got there, or the day after I got there, I just placed the camera down, pressed the record button, and I was just like, I don't know, I'm just gonna say something here and see if it works. And I was blown away by not only how many people were reacted to it, but to answer your question, how many people had been like, oh my God, like, please, can I be a part of this mm -hmm. film? And I had gotten so many just within the first two weeks, like recommendations right. or like, or like asks or whatever. Yes. That is, that I literally just, what I did was I picked out the people who I'd already met before. So it was just through working through UCAN or film festival. So, so AJ, Chelsea, Ali, um, Steve Wampler and Vasu, I had already known, and Tamara. Okay. Um, okay. And then the rest just all came through word of mouth after that go after that uh, Indiegogo or GoFundMe. I think it was right. Indiegogo. Same difference. And uh, so it was a very organic process. I, I the only people I turned away were the people that came after. I was like, if I record any more, if I take on any more people, I'm going to run out of budget. So I literally just went within the confines of my budget, and right. it was first. Well, so then, how many how many locations did you end up hitting? Because watching the film, it seemed like you were all over the place. It seemed like maybe even different countries, or like is that was that true to what it looked like, or were you just traveling around the U.S.? I, I mean, I can I think there was only like it was definitely a lot of L.A. and San Diego. Okay. Uh, then Allie was in New York. And then and, where was the, uh, where was the skinny dipping? Where was, where oh, was, yeah. that was uh, in Bozeman, Montana. Okay. So yeah. you, you and, uh, what? God, what's his name? Um, Vasu. Vasu. I didn't want to mispronounce it. So Vasu and you were up in Montana for that one. Yeah. And my cinematographer. Right. And you guys were just like, fuck it. Let's let's yep. go let's go skinny dope in this fucking world. Well, yeah. <laughs> I thought that scene was important. Actually, a lot of people I've right. heard a couple. Well, not a lot of people. I've heard a couple of people be like, "Wow, what a like a beautiful scene for like the uh, yes. the people just to be able to see the naked body of someone who's an amputee and just like embrace it in that right. moment for what it is and not like." Yeah. what it may look like to when they have clothes on. I don't know. It's kind of a powerful, like yes. metaphorical something. Yes, it is. And it's, it's a metaphor for the humanity in all of us. It's a metaphor yeah. for the like authenticity of who we all are. And inside all of us are just humans who, when given an opportunity, still have fun, still have just genuine human experiences. And yeah, I, and I think that's what that scene. I don't know. That was that was what I took from it, and being able to see just a true, and not to keep bolstering you and keep building your head up, but I think it also shows the the intimacy that an able-bodied person can have with someone with a disability because of the not. It doesn't have to always be romantic or sexual or any of that. It's just right. truly a an intimate situation, an intimate moment between two humans. And we have intimate moments between each other every day of our lives with all yeah. of our close relationships and our, whether it's family, friends, whatever. And to be able to show that for people with disabilities is huge because I think a lot of people don't realize, um, realize that that's possible, especially on a first encounter. So like, yeah. cause that was one of the questions I got from a friend of mine um, when I was having this this conversation come up uh, that I was going to be talking with you. I was like, so what would you ask him? Um, like, what would you be curious of? And she said, why do you think so many people find it? Uh, 
pretty much unfathomable that people with disabilities can have a normal quote unquote relationship. And so man, I would I would want to ask you that because that's something people don't it's real. People there are some there's a large amount of people, especially able bodied people who just find it completely dumbfounding that that people yeah. with disability disabilities can have a, a true relationship and why do you think that is i would have to the my my first gut re, gut response would be conditioning i think we're conditioned in this society to feel like almost like this bigger better deal thing like it's all about physical attraction and that starts at a very early age, you know, it's like, absolutely. Most of the time, the, the, it wasn't the unpopular, nerdy, unattractive person that was getting girls or boys. And, you know, it's, it's always yeah. been, it's yeah. from the very, from the very first time where people even start to notice attraction, it's always like, who's the prettiest. And then you grow up and then, like it becomes even worse than that it's like oh my god like i don't see any i don't want anybody unless they're my perfect like a perfect 10 for me and then and then fast forward 10 years and i think people start to look back at those people this is all like an analogy basically i'm just on one right no, now i know i know keep going keep going <laughs> that those people that they were in high school with and be like wow, you know, they were actually weren't that bad or, oh man, they're really cute now. And so like for me to answer the question of like, I don't think that it was ever unfathomable for me. I just mm -hmm. also, in addition to conditioning, I wasn't even exposed to much disability when I was younger, you right. know? Um, yeah, which, then, is, which is so huge then, for but, the, for right now. Cause it's like the opposite. I feel like so much exposure at a young age is, is being out there now. And I love it yeah. and I love it, but yeah, continue yeah. what you're saying. Cause that is growing up for me and as well. I never, I never really experienced many people with, well, I won't say that. I, I just not at an intimate level of true friendship or seeing someone with a disability wasn't up close and personal growing up. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, it's just like it's just like when you get older, like maybe in your late twenties or thirties, you like start to get more cultured, or you start to just be more aware of the of the other kinds of people than what you grew up in, grew up with, and how you were conditioned, and then from there. It goes to, to the answer your your question about at that point is it still unfathomable, and you would hope the answer is no, it's not unfathomable because right that the film kind of dispels the notion of like oh well you know who's gonna love me because I'm in a wheelchair and and, and I I'm not attract I'm less attractive because I'm in a wheelchair or an amputee or whatever it is like it's it's a film that hopefully makes it less unfathomable that like not only is there inside beauty but like which we know already but yeah. like wow like it's no different than anybody else's kind of beauty it's yep. just maybe like if <laughs> someone per se is in a wheelchair they're just sitting down like why does that take away from the beauty? Yeah. Really ask yourself that. And yeah. like, and that's why the film is called Take a Look at This Heart. Not to sound cheesy, but it's like, you have to really look into someone's heart rather yeah. than looking at everything else too. Like, oh, first, you know, you first look yes. at their heart. That's yeah. why it's called Take a Look at This Heart. I love that because it is. That is truly, someone's heart can be in a good place. Um, no matter what they're doing or, or can be the true representation of who they are. <laughs> and yeah, someone's heart be taking a look there first, because I, I'll be the first to tell you there's many occasions where people 
definitely don't look at me first or see yeah. me, see me first. They see the chair, the the blankets, the tubing, the whatever it is. And then the sweetest version of it, which really makes me laugh a lot, is like children <laughs> because yeah. it'll be like it'll be like a genuine just curiosity. And I think it's yeah. beautiful when like. I'll be walking down the street or whatever, and a little kid walks by, and immediately they're just like, "Why? Why does he have that thing in his neck?" And and I'll hear it, and me and my nurses will just like laugh walking by, yeah. and and the parents all get flustered, and you're just like, "No, that's a that's a true and in- inquisitive mind wanting to know and wanting to understand me and understand me because he's able to look within enough." For them, yeah. for them to be able to see that the trach is going into my throat, but can't figure out why, and and wants to know more and wants to know why, and I feel like so often we shun those moments, and then or society has, and and they try to quiet those moments rather than letting it be an opportunity for them to understand and learn about me, about us, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying about conditioning, like exactly. If- if those moments are shunned, then they're going to grow up. It's going to fast forward 10 years and they're still going to be looking at you with the same curiosity, except they're not going to be like this. Um, what's the word? Um, like the uh, naive. Yeah. They won't be like these naive little kids. They'll just be like, just don't like, ask. <laughs> just ignorant adults, you know? Yep. And, but, yep. Hey, I had a question for you, though, going yeah. back to what we were talking about exposure. You know, yeah. I'm a director, so I have to no ask questions. No worries. <laughs> no, I like but it. I, you know, it's, this is, you know, I've done a lot of Q&As for Take, take a Look at This Hard. I've done podcasts, TV stuff, all that. But one thing I really want to talk about with you, because I've never mm-hmm. talked about it from any of my Q&As for this film, is how not necessarily since my film came out, but how since, um, let's say the influence of people like Chelsea and, and Ali and et cetera, right. uh, and Vasu even, Vasu, you know, Tamara, people who have this big influence and um, like how you know, I've never, I've never, because it's been so long since the film has come out for me in my eyes. Right. It's like three years almost now. Yeah. Especially like the trailer came out on Valentine's Day, 2018. So uh. that's a year <laughs> half ago. I mean, uh, three and a half years ago. Yeah. So, and you're right, the exposure has changed so much. Yeah. You know, Ali's, I mean, Ali's the, the face of how many big articles and, and yep. Chelsea. A Wells, uh, the face of a Wells Fargo ad campaign, and like right. Tommy Hilfiger. So, growing up for you, when you had this, like, all these people, you feel like whether it was little kids or adults, being like, why is, why does he have that on his neck? Why is he in a wheelchair? But now transitioning to how it is now with so much exposure, how do you feel like your life has changed, or how do, you, or the way you view the world, so- you know? So I'll tell you, for me, I think, similar to what we were just talking about, um, the adults' responses have changed. Um, children are still the same. They still ask the same questions, which is awesome. And they, But they feel more comfortable in those situations. There's many times where I'll go somewhere and other kids are already comfortable with my situation. Uh, and children are already aware of, like... Uh, the wheelchair and all that because they, yeah. they have a girl in their class that's in a wheelchair and in a power chair and she does everything the same as them and they and they're more um, eager to help honestly uh, pretty pretty often I'll see something and like if I drop something in public or uh, anything like that not just children obviously everybody's willing to help but uh, I've noticed though in kids a lot, I can see that they have a per- personal, much more personal experience in their life with people in wheelchairs and stuff. And I think that has came because of all that exposure. And now you have kids who 
are curious about those things and then they go and talk with their classmate who is sitting there in a wheelchair and the school allows that student to stay in the classroom all day every day with everybody else and doesn't send them off somewhere else to learn separately and all that kind of stuff you're truly part of the community and I've noticed that is is the largest difference I've noticed or yeah over these even these three years like you said it has been a big shift because of the influence and that's why I try to use my platform to educate and show everybody just to educate them on my situation so that if they go forward in life they can uh, relate from me to someone else and be able to treat them the same way they would treat me yeah. And, yeah. And do you feel like the adults like these days, like are more because of the, the increase, the heavy, heavy, heavy increase of exposure. Right. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not even like a small deal. Like, yeah. like go back 10 years, you would never see a Chelsea Hill on a Tommy Hilfiger ad, ad campaign. You would never ask you as the face of North face, you know, yeah. like, this is all a, like a paradigm shift as far as the disabled community goes. Yep. And it's everything. It, it brings me up. It makes me emotional because it's like, yes. First off, what took this so long? Second off, like, I don't know. It's just a beautiful thing. Yeah. So I'll give you another level of that. So I got to truly watch it and be a part of it in a small community as well. So I graduated high school in 2012. I went to college at the University of Michigan, um, and from from 2012 until 2017, and in that time, I was a part of government groups making making changes on campus. I was part of uh, accessibility groups uh, making things more accessible on campus. I was part of advisory boards uh, with the vice president so that I could give my input as far as my community uh, within the school and everything. And U of M, from the time I was there, uh, and it wasn't, obviously, it wasn't me personally, but it was all my friends and everything who were putting in all these uh, standards of practice and everything, and they are, and U of M's commitment and all that. They were able to go from not even on the list of uh, top disability schools to be in the number one disability school in the country. So, wow. yeah, and I got to watch that, watch That's that happen where, yeah. Where my freshman year, I remember one of the dorms that were the main um, disability dorms because it was the mo- the one of the one of the two dorms on campus. Which for University of Michigan, they have probably twenty something, <laughs> and and two of the dorms that were accessible. One of them had a flood, had a pipe burst, and there were students that literally had no one to call and no way to call and and if they did call the person on the other line had no idea uh what they were talking about or what to do so and to see that from my freshman year and to see kids with muscular dystrophy who almost died because of a flood and then later on by my senior year it wasn't even a thought i if the fire alarm went off because because some idiot burnt some popcorn. I, I didn't have to transfer out of my out of my bed and, and like go outside for two minutes. I could just call dispatch and say, hey, what's the emergency? Make sure someone's aware that I'm here. All, all that kind of stuff. And they knew what I was talking about. They knew wow. what. So to be able to see that shift over five years, yeah, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And... That and that's just one. I, I say small, but it's one of the largest campuses on in the country. But but to see the University of Michigan take that shift was kind of special. I liked it. I liked I liked being able to educate others on my situation and other situation and be able to say no, this matters, and and to let people see their humanity. Yeah. Can you? Uh- can you just tell me and also the audience, because I think the audience definitely yeah. needs to hear sometimes about like your nonprofit and what exactly it is and what you do and everything. Yeah. I'm, like 
I want to know like the in, the depths of it. You know? Yeah. So it's called the Drew Crew, named named after me, of course, from when I was injured back in 2010. Um, I was a sophomore in high school, and after my injury, I well, a friend of ours gave us the name. My dad and my stepmom kind of took it over and used it as a way to supplement my needs um, early on to be able to to be able to compensate for the difference between what insurances would cover and what and what yeah. they wouldn't because for me I'm I'm C1 C2 and I'm a high level I'm on a vent I can't well I'm starting to get movement back but had, but early on I couldn't couldn't really move below my shoulders and so everything had to be done for me and nursing I need someone with me 24/7 if I want to do anything <laughs> So that cost, being able to supplement that cost. Well, then over the years, that that was what the Drew Crew was about, especially with my dad and my stepmom and their commitment. And then my push towards my goals of graduating college and doing those things. It was a it was kind of a inspirational I would say movement of people being able to look at me and see, cause you can see I'm also really healthy physically. Um, yeah. and that, and that was because of the money we raised and just per we've been lucky, so lucky to be at the right moment at the right time. And my dad was able to find the physical therapy that was able to help me keep my body healthy. So for us, it's all about, spreading all the different knowledge that we've gained over these 11 years of me being hurt and whether it's uh, uh, all of the physical therapy that I do and me being able to educate on all of that or whether it's um, insurance and those complications and how my dad has navigated that over the years to make sure that I was always, always covered by nurses and everything. And yeah, really trying to spread that. And then when I, whenever I see I can, I, I try to use the funds we have to purchase, uh, different, different things for people with spinal cord injuries. So it'll be for me, the biggest thing, especially early on after my injury, the biggest thing that led to me being so, successful was my independence um mm. being still there even though i still have a lot of people helping me i'm dependent on so many others i have true independence of managing all of that and knowing that i can and all that stuff and a lot of that came from whether it was the joystick i use for my computer and how i'm able to do this right now and I'm setting all this up. So so I, I purchased and I'm about to purchase another uh, quad stick for some people with spinal cord injuries. And then um, so we're we're big about independence um, and showing others how they can be independent and do things on their own, um, even after a catastrophic injury. That's yeah. that's the goal. Wow. Of our, yeah, that's so great, man. I, well, yeah. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm honored to be on this. <laughs> podcast i was already honored but yeah. hearing all this it, it just you know i love being a part of things where people are genuinely trying to they're genuinely working very hard and diligently mm -hmm. at helping people that that need the help that yeah. might not be as fortunate you know and exactly. that's great yep and then the for me the podcast is also a therapeutic way for me to kind of get away from the nonprofit because I don't yeah. know. I like having awesome conversations with, with cool people. Yeah. <laughs> and I, sure. and with that, so I, I definitely have one question. So, yeah. so during the movie, uh, you talked about, you asked someone about like you being somewhat cautious about like being intimate with someone with a, dist uh, uh, with a disability because of like muscle atrophy and stuff. So I'm curious, yeah. do you still have that fear? And, no. And did you, okay. And then have you, have you acted on it? No, I, I, okay. So, um, I, okay. So when I filmed that, I was, Jeez, I think I was 27 years old. Yeah. And now I'm 
I just turned 32 a couple weeks ago. And so that was a long time ago. Right, right. (laughs) I get that. And you have to understand that, like, since I said that, I've been around so many people with muscular atrophy. Or just any disability. I'm just curious, like, during the filming, did you you ever hook up with anybody you were interviewing or anything? No, I've never hooked up with anybody I was ever interviewing. I, I didn't. That's just not good to do. Like, oh, I, oh, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. but no, I there have been definitely met girls in wheelchairs pre okay. girlfriend. I've been in a relationship for just about two years now. Okay, but be- congratulations! I had interests for sure. It just never panned out. Right, that so. makes sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, just didn't, just didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I just, it just kind of, right. you know, because I met my girlfriend, it just, right, I fell in love with someone else. I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, so I don't know. I guess I was trying to get more into like you personally too, because I, one yeah. question I had was like, you, so you started the film with mentioning how you had been hospitalize yourself some a couple times yeah and i know you said bipolar and then psychosis what is mm-hmm. so what what did you have going on um so i was or still do I, what or or if you still do i don't know well yeah i still have bipolar disorder right. I, that's never gonna go away the right. psychosis managed very well through my medications and therapy Psychosis was more of like a one-off experience, I think. Like, I've never truly been psychotic since I was 23, like when I had that episode. Okay. Uh, But, um, yeah, my bipolar disorder is still rocking and rolling. (laughs) I can't catch a break from it, really. Hey, I get that. My my sister deals with it as well. So does does one of my close nurses that works here. And, uh, yeah, and it's, it's a battle, I know. And it seems difficult. I guess when you had said psychosis, I just didn't know. Like, what is psychosis? I, I, I'm ignorant. Oh, I'm ignorant sometimes uh, too. So. Psychosis <laughs> is another way of saying being psychotic. So um, it's that? like from everybody's experience is different, but for me, it was just like racing thoughts to the point where I became delusional. Yeah, uh, a little bit del- like pretty delusional and just like out of like totally out of my mind but like not in like a exaggerated way like actually out of my mind like like an out of body experience almost yeah no it really is and then like yeah it's crazy but okay um you know then there's mania um actually at the the end by the end of filming take a look at this heart i i actually got really sick with mania Mm. and, and i came down from that a couple months later and gotcha. I, I'm still bouncing back from it just, three years later. Just from over overexerting, or um, it was a it was like the perfect storm of overexerting, um, taking on a really big emotional roller coaster. I feel like, or being on a really big emotional roller coaster, yeah. just through make film about something so heavy. Um, I think I didn't process it. I, I think I thought I processed it a lot faster, but it, I think I'm still processing. Take a look at this art. Um, and also, not I stopped taking my medications on my own terms for a while. Oh, wow. And I, just, and I was drinking an unbelievable amount, smoking so much weed at a certain point, and I lost my mind. Like, I... Like I literally was homeless. I was like, I was, I was sleeping in my friend's bed. I was like, <laughs> I came back from LA. I was in LA for a month and I was like, oh wow. Like I don't have anywhere to live. <laughs> I just like, like that. Oh, and wow. I called my dad and he was like, well, dude, like come up here with me. And I just, yeah. and I hadn't lived with my dad since I was 12 years old. And uh, that was when oh, I was 28. Wow. So oh, it's just like this crazy story about how I actually wrote a really nice essay about my um about my experience with mania during the filming of Take a Look at This Heart and like actually my sure. only real experience with like true mania. I'm really proud of that essay. Um, yeah. But 
Um, where'd you but, Where'd you put it? Where Where can uh, people find it? So I don't have it up anywhere. Okay. Yet right. Now. Because I had it up on my, I have this weird obsession with deleting Instagrams. <laughs> I've, okay. I'm on, t- I, I have to take a look at this heart. That's always been there. Okay. But as far as my personal Instagrams, yeah. um, I just created one like a week ago and this is my sixth account. Uh. Like I've, I've deleted five Instagram accounts since I started like back in 2013. Yeah. But I used to have but on my the one I just deleted like a month ago or two months ago, um, which was all about like I meant the health resource Instagram, but I don't have that anymore. But um, one day I'm gonna post it again. Okay. But yeah, but so yeah. yeah, no, I still live with bipolar disorder and yeah, it's not. I know that can't. I know. I know it's not easy. Just from yeah. those I yeah those I know that struggle with it as well, and it's one of those things that like can't control it it's just part of you yeah yeah but it doesn't have to be all bad you know right right like it doesn't have to be all bad there's so much blessing in it too it's just about how it how you let it how you let your perspective shift with 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 growing with a disability right not around a disability absolutely absolutely and that's kind of what our nonprofit, like you were asking about, that's what we're all about is being so going, going, like you said, with your disability and doing things for me personally. It's always in spite of, like, it's always like, well, well, fuck this. I can do it. And, and I don't know. That's, that's my approach though. But like, definitely save the our hardest the hardest stories uh were the last two were uh the woman who who had been shot and and, and then once again the other woman who had been in a car accident where her boyfriend and the taxi driver had passed and it was like both of those back to back and just hit you and and that movie hits you in a lot of different ways. It makes you smile, makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you makes you excited, and makes you scared. It makes makes you curious. It it, it, it hits on a lot of different levels. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So I can only imagine for you, were you the only one working on it as far as editing producing all that stuff yeah for the pretty moment, much for the I, I hired cinematographers and i had an executive producer but the i kind of it was my brainchild you know right. like i took on i was probably the only one that took on the emotion of it you know right and it's funny like my girlfriend's always like then like i don't think you realize like how much that film probably impacted you like making that film going from this kid that just knew skateboarding and had a good idea about disability to like getting thrown into the tidal wave of this a tidal wave of disability mm-hmm. and like you know I'm a, I'm an empath and also mm-hmm. I'm just like a very sensitive like really sensitive person okay. and I uh, I think I took it all on and but that's kind of what you have to do in order to produce the right product as well right so I so I get that. But I also get the toll that it must have taken on you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. I'm. I don't know. I'm. I hope you're able to work through it. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm working. Sure. Right. right. And that's awesome. It's awesome you're able to work through it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I really enjoy you taking this taking this time to explain it explain it all to me and uh kind of open up i uh and ask me questions because i'm an open book as well so it, it, yeah. it it's always nice when i have when i have some people on here where it's just you know bouncing back and forth and uh, yeah do you have any other questions for me um well i uh that way we already been on oh we've been on for almost an hour cool yeah yeah no, I, I, just, I don't want you to feel rushed at all like i can answer no. anything it's all good no, um, do I, I have more questions for you? Yeah, I think I do. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it's funny that I should ask this, <laughs> but like, um, so you're what, like 28? 26. 26? Yeah. Um, so do you feel like 
uh you know how has your dating life been like how right. how what challenges have you been presented with and how have you yeah successful relationships or just tell me about it yeah so for me i've had i've had a varying like roller coaster of dating um because like i definitely relate with a lot of the people in the movie who say it just it's difficult. It's harder. I, I, if I had to guess, I would guess just because I was 15 when my accident happened. So I don't actually know. I know it wasn't overly difficult for me to get a girl before my accident. And I know it's extremely difficult now. <laughs> and so, and so that's, but that's also shifted. Like, Similar to what one of the guys was talking about in the movie who had been paralyzed since he was 14 months. Uh, so he grew up with it. So at a young age, and so in school time or in childhood time, um, it was almost impossible because of what you were saying. Uh, the whole everybody's looking for their perfect 10 for them and all that kind of stuff. And you mature, you, you grow older, you, and as you mature, you realize that's not really what you want. Not only is it not what you want, it's not what you need. And you realize what you need and want is just that connection of uh, the other person. And that's the only requirement really of meeting someone and dating somebody. There's still Obviously, the sexual attraction and emotional attraction and physical attraction and all that kind of stuff. But you, it's definitely changed over time to where girls are more open and receptive to dating me. So since my injury 11 years ago, I've been in one, two, three, three relationships and none of them none of them longer than six months so <laughs> that, that so i mean that's you know but, I, I've had but yes yeah and that's honestly the best like like i can honestly say i'm i'm very lucky in that way i've i've been able to meet women i've been able to um connect with other women and i have those memories of that and cherish those memories and those intimate moments are very nice to hold on to and very nice to say that I've been able to experience them because not everybody with disabilities can say that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, yeah. that's the reality of our society and world is that not everybody, like like AJ said, I don't know if he has since, but I know when you made the movie, he had, he had never been in a relationship. And right. So I, I'm definitely lucky in that way, and I do think a lot of it is because of I don't know. I would like to say it's me, but I don't know. I don't know if it's because I'm more physically fit than most others with my level of injury. I don't. I don't know if it's because I don't have a lot of the complications that other guys in chairs do. I I don't know because like. I, I really don't know. I don't know. I would like to think it's my personality and my <laughs> my my game. <laughs> I would like to think it's it's me, but I have no idea. So, yeah, I don't know. Cool. But but I have been lucky uh, dating wise. Yeah, that's great. No, nope. although I always find myself in weird in weird situations. It seems. I don't know. I've, I've, so the, the women I've dated, the reality of it is that a lot of them saw me as me before they saw my disability because so the girl I dated in high school knew me before my injury. The, the girl I dated right after my injury was one of my nurse's daughter. Um, and my nurse would bring her over here to like hang out while she was on night shift. So it just kind of happened. <laughs> but she was able to see me as me in my environment and in my world. Um, and then the next two girls I dated were one of my nurses. <laughs> so, yeah. So they've all had some sort of 
insight into me as a person before and and never I've never I've never I, well I won't say that there was one girl one girl that I met out in public and connected with and we kind of hit it off and we had that chemistry to start dating and all that but she was married so 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 that couldn't really happen um so yeah there's I've I've found myself in a lot of weird situations so I'm definitely uh I'm I'm single right now and just kind of going going with the flow of what I of what I feel yeah yeah cuz like last year 2020 if you want a true insight of like my dating yeah it was pretty fucked up so as so I told you just now there was one girl that I had met and had chemistry with that was married and I said no to that one well yeah last year met another woman who was married and did not uh, say no. And, uh, uh, yeah, that. So that ended up happening. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's 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 a long story. Well, we yeah. we we don't need to get into that one. <laughs> but it was a uh, it was it was a weird circumstance where we where we both just couldn't deny it, couldn't couldn't say no, and uh, we tried to for months. Because once again, she was also one of my nurses, and yeah. and yeah, we we said no for about six months. And she worked here, and we just ignored all the all all the signs, all the chemistry, all the feelings, and just ignored it. And then after that, it, it just kind of happened, and uh, and then we dated for about six months, and then and then everything blew up, and yeah, obviously that's never good good situation yeah. to get in so yeah <laughs> but so. but like like i said i had that experience i have those memories i yeah. i have no idea what will happen in the future but i know that i have confidence in myself as a person and i know that i have a lot to give to someone in a relationship and yeah so i'm open to it i'm open to it but dating online is horseshit so <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Was that was that a good enough explanation of? Oh my god, that answered all. I'm really excited that you told me that. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm just here that, you know, you've had. I like when you say like memories and stuff, like memories and experiences and memories of those experiences. Like that's really important for the soul, you know. Exactly, and I can use those going forward into my next situations and how I want to approach dating going forward and yeah. how, and how I really want to approach life going forward with a more vigor, more confidence in myself. And yeah, I got a lot of that from, from having a relationship, honestly. Nice. Yep. Cause there was Great. a lot, I had a lot of different insecurities of, uh, of my disability, of my situation and all that kind of stuff. And all those, Honestly, all those insecurities are kind of gone now because of having that experience of being with somebody and knowing that somebody can love me and I can uh, love somebody else and give love to others. And that was such a huge part. And your documentary, I think, was, uh, God, I'm I'm blanking on all the names in the movie. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So the guy with cerebral palsy and his wife with his, I don't know how many... Say again, Steve Wobbler. See, Steve Wobbler, and how many kids does he have? Two, two. So, and seeing his children on there explain what growing up with a father with disability, how it's just like any other parent. Honestly, you you take some of their traits, and then you don't take take some others, and you kind of and you love your parent, and you connect with your parent, and have fun with your parent, and get scolded by your parent, and all, all that kind of stuff. But to still show, but to be able to show that you can have all those moments with someone with a disability. Yeah. So I didn't even think that that would be possible until I dated the girl that I dated last year, because... I she instilled that confidence into me um, that that 
I could do those things. And and then watching your movie was just another reiteration and I think is huge for showing anybody with a disability that, yes, fatherhood is possible. Um, yeah. yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I yeah. love to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I appreciated it. I, I liked seeing it. I liked being able to watch his and the tears that it brought to his eyes when his wife told him that yeah. their children will be stronger and more loving and all these different things because they had a father like him. And yeah, and that this was my movie. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot of us. A lot of us guys, we, we I don't know have some sort of fear of, of being parents. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> one of my, one of my nurses is pregnant right now. And I was just telling her, I was like, man, that would scare the shit out of me. Like it's yeah. seeing a life just grow and know that they're dependent on me. It would be absolutely terrifying, but I don't know. Maybe one day. Yeah. For sure. Now, Can I uh, take a picture of us? Like yes. a screen? Yes. Okay, cool. I was going to tell you we should do that before we hang up. So go ahead. Yeah. Well, you can take one of me and then yep. I can take one of you. I don't even do yep. I just press this circle thing right here or Okay. <laughs> oh, perfect. Got it. Yep, and then I'm going to take one and uh and we can sign off. So let me uh Alexa call Chelsea Sohn. Her phone. <laughs> and it's so funny because I'm like in the point now. So similar to like you doing everything on your own. I do everything on my own. So podcasting, I, I never, uh, I never edit anything anymore. So Good. it gives everybody a true insight of the experience yeah. of all this. So it, it is like what it is. Yeah. Hey, uh, can you come help me with something? All right. So everybody that's still listening, we are about to do some screenshots and then you can go on either of our Instagrams and see these screenshots. Yep. <laughs> so Yeah, can, you have my number now, obviously, right? Yep, I'm gonna text you. Okay, text me your um Instagram handle and I'll text you mine, my personal awesome. and obviously you have to take right. a look at this heart, which I wanna promote this on. Right. But I also want to promote it on my new personal one. Sounds good. Awesome. Yeah. So Chelsea, you see the FaceTime? Can you hit that white circle in the corner? All right, smile. <laughs> All right, cool. Cool, man. Well, well thank Drew, thank you so much. I yes. really appreciate it, man. I'm honored. Yes, thank you. This was really awesome. It's nice to nice to have an actual conversation with with the guy who who is all over the movie and made the movie and all that stuff. It's it's really awesome. Cool. And I'm going to make some promotional stuff. So I take okay. I'm going to take like a quick minute of this and I'll probably take these pictures and I have a fancy little thing I do with some video editing and it'll have like audio waves while we're talking. And cool. It, and it'll be like actual audio waves. So all right. yeah. sounds good. Awesome. And yeah. cool. you that I shot of you with yep. me in the too. Yep. So just text me when we get off the phone. Sounds good. Sounds all right. Good. All right. Thanks, man. And bye. Bye.
Bye-bye. <laughs>